everybody, welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast. Uh, we got a couple of different guests this week. We got Roger from True Aquaponics. Want to say hi, Roger? Hey, 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 how's everybody doing? We hey. also have uh, Ben from True Chirpings, which is going to be awesome. So we got the true, the true guys in the house. Yeah, I just caught I just caught that for the first time actually, and uh, I think that's really cool. Good lineup, true, uh, true cannabis episode is what you could call this. Right, true aquaponics and true terpenes. We got we got the true guys in the house. So I thought it was kind of funny to have you guys on the show tonight. <laughs> um, so uh, it's been a little while since we had Roger on the show. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, why don't you tell everyone what you've been up to? I know you got a bunch of newer stuff coming online. You guys have grown quite a bit since the last time you've been on the show. Um, want to bring people up to date a little bit? Yeah, since the uh, the last time I was on the show, we, we've probably doubled in size uh, as far as our output uh, helping folks. Uh, that, that funny thing you see on my picture that I'm holding in my hands is actually a, a water heater for uh, fish tanks to keep aquaponic systems warm. And we have made some huge advances lately. Um, that, that particular one is a 1,650-watt unit, which is kind of small. Uh, but we've added on a 2,750-watt unit and a 2,500-watt uh, unit uh, recently. And all of them are out there working in the real world. It is fantastic and on top of that the nutrients uh, that, that three-week dose that we came up with about a year and a half ago or so has just exploded on the market people are loving it um, beyond that individual minerals that folks need we got all that and we're just getting lamb blasted i mean daily it's it's I, I can almost do my real job or almost not do my real job due to all the shipments going out i'm, I'm gonna have to hire people it's it's unbelievable That's cool, man. I know I've seen you post a lot about those water heaters, and uh, I've seen a lot of people have purchased them and been really happy with them. And you even, I think if I remember right, you guys changed the design a little bit to make it a little bit better, not maybe a few months ago or so. Am I remembering that right? The, the actual change in design happened about, oh, right at two years ago. Oh, but oh, it, yeah. it, Fair well, it's because, it's because we went from a mechanical thermostat to a digital thermostat. That was the big design change. Cool. Now, what we're doing right now, we can actually program the computer that we use for a, a specific need. And, and, and they can still adjust their temperatures, but if, if they want to keep their water at 70 or 75 or 65, depending on the fish and the plants they're growing, or even at 80, uh, if, if their system can handle that, um, we can program that in. They can dial it in to exactly what they want. And when it gets there, it shuts off and it waits till it gets to a certain temperature to get, you know, cut back on. It, it's working fantastically for, for a lot of people. Yeah, that's great. I see a lot of really good feedback on it before, and I, I've checked it out for myself before too. I haven't haven't quite had the need to do it yet, but um, but I, I've seen a lot of really great feedback on it. And I think that I thought I remember something about changing the design to cut down on solids buildup around the the core, but maybe that was that might have been a different one. I'm just mistaken. So, uh, but anyway, I, I do know that uh, I've seen that one on True Aquaponics quite a bit, um, and you guys have have posted links and stuff to it before, and. It definitely seems like a lot more efficient than just uh, like a regular fish tank heater, um, you know, that you might buy for an aquarium. You want to like talk about a, a little bit of the difference in efficiency between those two, or 
just to go back to the change you're talking about, you're absolutely right. That that was just a, a couple of months ago. Uh, we we used to build a uh, cover for the the heater element, and it was building up solids inside the feedback we were getting, and what we were seeing in our own tank, we were getting solids building up on the heater element. So you had to clean it constantly, and we we've done away with it. And in our larger units, the heater element won't work anyway because the the design of the heater element. Uh, won't allow it so it, it's a good thing all around just to get rid of it uh, it's a little less uh, money we have to charge because we're not building them and it's also a little less weight for shipping and it does a better job without it yeah that's okay good that's what I thought I thought maybe I was mistaken for another one but yeah that, that's great and I like that you guys can share that kind of information you know and you put it out there and uh, you know we had we had an experience with a lighting company that uh, didn't, didn't quite divulge information that we thought was pertinent um, to to their customers. Uh, I know Fish had had documented it pretty well, and they could have pretty easily shared that information, just like you did, and, and you know, even if it's just through social media in any way. So that, that's why that caught my attention. Was you know, it just illustrated to me how easily they could have dealt with it just by saying, "Hey, you know what, guys, this works a lot better. We're switching over to this. You guys should do it too. Here, here's what you need to do." And I, I thought that was really cool. So just wanted to give you your kudos there. Well, the big thing is some people actually build these themselves, whether they use the mechanical or computerized. And if we can help those folks that are building their own to understand that, hey, don't use this or don't do that or don't do this, it's good for them. It's good for us. It helps all the way around. And that's, that's the big thing. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You had another question after that, and I'm, I don't remember what it was. If you could restate it right quick, I'll, I'll go to it. Yeah, just on that last point, I uh, just have to shout out respect. Um, <laughs> just need to say that. All right, thanks, Tommy. And, uh, yeah, I did have another question, and I don't remember what it was either. So, Roger actually does a good job of answering customer questions on his, on his Facebook group. Yeah. And uh, unlike a lot of the other people out there that sell stuff, actually does a really good job of customer interaction. It's one of the reasons why I, I went out and reached out to him to help him a little bit when he was getting started. So. Hey, he's got a lot of cool things, I think, for beginners, too. Is a, you know, I always send them over there uh, to your store to take a look at it because I feel like if they, you, know, you have some, uh, some sort of pre-made packages put together. Do you want to talk about those a little bit and make it a little bit easier for the the newbies to manage their systems absolutely uh and and we haven't we haven't honed these into the cannabis market uh, uh because we, we we really need to work with you guys on that see what we need to provide in a pretty much uh, one fits all which one fits all is not a good thing but it gets close and with sure. aquaponics growing vegetables and you know leafy greens and what have you, we can do it pretty close and, and make it work for everybody. Uh, but for especially one item, uh, we, we need to really try to figure out how to hone in on that. But for everybody else, we've already got it done. We've had it done for years, and a lot of people are enjoying the benefits of it. A lot of people are signing up for uh, subscriptions to where every three weeks it comes in their mail so they don't have to think about when to put it in they just they get it and they know they're supposed to put it in right then so it's been a really big hit for a lot of people we've got i'm not even going to say how many subscriptions because I, I don't like to brag but it's 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 plenty <laughs> it is plenty well that's great and, and i i do think that it, it does make it kind of gives you know a, 
a base toolkit of stuff that you can use. Like you were saying, you know, it's not really a one size fits all kind of scenario, but kind of a kind of a toolkit you can use to to adjust things as necessary. And like Steve was saying, you do such a great job of answering questions on your forum uh, in the Facebook group that um, you know you can help them use use those tools effectively. And um, and I've had uh, I've seen good feedback again in in your group and in uh, other groups as well. So. I think that uh, it's a pretty good program you have set up, and that's probably why you have a number of subscriptions. So that's cool. Another thing, going back to what Steve said about us answering questions and trying to help people in the forum, uh, you wouldn't believe the emails and phone calls I get as well because we've we've made we've made my phone public. So we I get so many calls every day, and I sit here and help folks while I'm working on other things, uh, and it's. Sometimes it makes sales, sometimes it doesn't. I, I don't put my number out there to make sales. Um, and it's a good thing I don't because probably probably 90% of them don't, but that last 10% does. Uh, and regardless, it's worth it because I'm helping people uh, overall. And there, there's some folks I've sent y'all's way uh, to Steve and to you, Marty. Yep. Told them to you know seek you guys out because your or you know your field you're in is is what they're looking for. I can help get them started, but they need more information about the cannabis side of it. So I send them to you. Well, that's great. We really appreciate that, and and we want to help people in the same way too. I mean, you know, not only do we want to promote the stuff that we're doing, but you know, we want to we want to share information for the people that we want to do it ourselves. You know, we all we all stand on the shoulders of giants and. Uh, you know, the the taller we all get, the better off it we all are. So I feel like, you know, setting that that baseline to where you can share what's successful or even what's unsuccessful is sometimes just as important. So, you know, it's kind of on that that same level of uh, of what you were talking about with your your heater there. Like releasing the information doesn't just help you and your customers, but people building their own and sort of ever everyone who who might be interested in finding it can can go do that. So. You know, we, we try to provide a lot of free content, a lot of specialized content, and and then try to, just like you do, take that 10% uh, off the top and, and hope to be able to to uh, profit on that while you, you help the other 90% for basically free most of the time. And uh, so I, I feel like that happens in a lot of industries, though. I feel like, you know, there's plenty of people that do cold calling and have, you know, 90% failure rate. Uh, just as often, and you still make your percentage off of a of a small part. So, it is a it's different in a way, but also the same. So, makes it fun. One of the, one of the things we've done. Uh, this is primarily me. It's it's my service side, the caring side of me. Is when we send something out. If something goes wrong, uh, let's say we send a send a heater out. We've had three out of a great many we've sent out that had issues. The first thing we do is say, okay, what happened? We get all the information we can, and if we decide it was our fault, that's the end of it. We, we send a new unit out immediately, along with a, if we want the old unit back, we send out a shipping label with the new unit to get that ship back to us. Um, we've had that happen three times, and, and one just recently, and it was, it was my fault, something I did the best I can tell, but regardless uh, or regardless of, of whose fault it is, we're going to take care of the customer. And I think that's something that a lot of people out there that are in the business don't do. Um, and I'm not going to say names, but a lot of people out there, they, they sell, but they don't back what they sell. They just sell it. And no matter what comes out of our shop, 
if it, something goes wrong with it, we're going to back it up and take care of it. Hey, Roger, uh, can I chime in? I have a question for you. Uh, you, you obviously mostly help you know people that are growing uh, regular fruits and vegetable kinds of things in their systems. Do you think it's a good idea for somebody who's looking at getting into this to apparently have some uh, packages for beginner type folks? Are they best setting their system up, making sure they can keep it alive, maybe grow a cucumber here and again, uh, before they get into uh, maybe a crop that they're going to freak out over, like you know their favorite strain that is supposed to do all that? What do, what do you think about starting a basic system, having it stabilized and stuff with vegetables, maybe before moving uh, to a, a specific like cannabis? As far as I can tell, any system you're starting up goes through the same process of getting cycled and maturing. Doesn't matter what you're growing, you're going to get better results the older it gets to a certain point. Uh, we, we see that around eight months to a year. So whether it's lettuce or tomatoes or cucumbers, uh, the, the leafy greens like the lettuces and what have you will do good up front, whereas the fruity vegetables, it takes some time for your system to mature before you're going to see uh, something good out of it. And I, I would assume, and I, I'd refer back to Marty or, or Steve, but I would assume that it takes an older system to get a good cannabis plant to come out of it. That's an assumption because I have never asked that question. But on my side of it, uh, we're starting up a system, a brand new system, if you're getting enough nitrate produced, uh, if you use something like our three-week dose, uh, you put all the other minerals in there that these plants need to produce good, hearty food uh, that's going to kick something back to you instead of just buying Walmart produce. Um, I mean, if you, if you want something to grow that's going to produce some something you can eat and give you no value when you eat it other than filling your tummy up, then I guess you can go to Walmart. But uh, we, we want to see people do better than that. We want them to, to actually have something nutritious, and that's, that's really the basis of of how we got started in, in minerals uh, for supplements. And then what pushed us into the three-week dose was for, like uh, we, we spoke about earlier with, with Marty, was uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but it's so close that it really doesn't matter. And then you can tell me, and each, each individual person does, and I make notes, and I will alter their three-week dose just a little for what they're growing, whether it be fruits and vegetables and, and what have you, or just uh, leafy greens, I'll change that dose just a little for them. That way they get exactly or as close to possible exactly what they need. Hope that, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. And I, I think that cannabis sort of is an interesting plant too, because you know most of the time you're going through a veg period in the beginning, which the plant is really you know growing a lot of leafy green foliage right i mean that's you know in the beginning that's kind of what it's going to be consuming so um you know i i i feel like you know just like what you're saying is true the older it gets you know the more advanced your microbiology gets and you start <clears throat> you know uh producing you know like probably i would say what more phosphorus and in uh, getting more developed microbes that will make phosphorus more available over time uh and later and potassium and uh so i i definitely think and, and that's just gonna be better for flour because that's obviously what you want so you know generally most of the time people spend you know 30 days or so in, in 
in veg and flip to flour depending on the size if you want them bigger then obviously you're vegging longer or if you're working with like a uh like some cbd strains they want to you know a lot of them are juicing them while still in veg and just continuing to uh grow them in that way and uh, i have a friend here locally who's who's uh juicing primarily for his uh uh i think it's his grandma maybe it's his aunt great aunt or something like that but anyway he's just uh has a cbd strain that he keeps in veg all the time and um juices it primarily for and that's what she uses for her medication um and uh so i think there's a lot of interesting things that are happening along there and who and who knows maybe ben can share some information on that too uh we, we talked to him a little bit about that but i think it, it's interesting in terms of you were talking about the 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 system and the way as it cycles and gets older definitely becomes better for flowering and <clears throat> and everything else but in the beginning, uh, when you are doing a lot of nitrogen cycling, it it, uh, it can be great for plants and veg. They'll really take off, and you'll see, you know, rapid growth and healthy plants, for sure. Well, especially in the biggest nutrient you see under dose in aquaponic systems, especially even vegetable systems, is molybdenum. Molybdenum is one of the primary nutrients that is responsible for um, how quickly plants can utilize nitrogen. Uh, if they lack molybdenum, it will limit their nitrogen processing per day. Uh, so especially if you're going leafy greens, it can definitely accelerate growth uh, if you are of an older system, especially. Or even an older, especially older commercial systems. Cool. <laughs> Anyways, um, so uh, uh, thanks a lot coming on and talking to us a little bit um is there anything else you wanted to mention or do you want to um uh, bring you know mention your groups and your website again uh before we switch gears over to ben yeah absolutely um if, if folks want to join the the group um uh, for the free help or if they want to buy something either way uh we don't we don't require anyone to buy anything from us to get help uh but uh trueaquaponics.com true you go there or on Facebook, just search True Aquaponics. We're there. I will add you to the group if you if you request. Um, and we're one of the very few groups that, that keeps out the riffraff. Uh, that way, if you ask a question, you're getting jumped and told how stupid you are because you don't know a basic question you know, or a basic answer to a basic question. Uh, that's, that's where we really help people a lot. So uh, I guess that's about it. And I'm going to sit back and listen to Ben. Um, I'm intrigued by what he's got going on. And hopefully, um, my mic's working. I hope. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, again, if you guys uh, are interested, there's a really awesome Facebook group called uh, True Aquaponics, and then he has a great website called True Aquaponics. So be sure to check those out. Uh, and then uh, thanks a lot, Ben, for coming on. Um, you're with True Terpenes. Um, do you want to uh, tell us uh, what you guys are about and kind of what you guys do and uh, give us some education on uh, what, you know, the different terpenes and uh, why we should care about the different ones? Absolutely. Thanks for the intro. Um, so, yeah, Portland, Oregon-based terpene company. We've been uh, commercially selling them to product manufacturers and home consumers now going on two years. Been thinking about them and playing with them for about uh, two and a half or just a little bit longer than that. And um, 
the simplest way to put it is we started as a botanical terpene supply company, botanical meaning that they are terpenes that were extracted not from cannabis, but from other plants. And we are evolving into a cannabis-derived terpene um, and terpene products company. So creating CBD terpene vape pens and salves and things of that nature with a strictly medical focus. Um, that's you know kind of where we come from. I was telling everybody before we started here today, uh, got into the cannabis industry running medical clinics where people would come and meet with a doctor in order to get a medical card. And we really always focused on the patient education side of things, making sure that, you know, there's, there's definitely different levels of cannabis consumers, brand new people, long time heads, et cetera, that were coming through the clinic. And we really made an effort to, to meet every person where they were at, you know, not, not boring heads with uh, things that they've, you know, they could probably teach other people and not uh, speaking over um, the level of knowledge of like a new consumer. So that's kind of what we approached terpenes with was the um, idea that we need to be able to share what we're learning with all sorts of different levels of people within cannabis. So uh, as a company, we really think of ourselves as the Terpene Resource Center. Um, we work with uh, licensed manufacturers in Oregon, Washington, soon to be California, Nevada, Massachusetts, Maine, et cetera, all the legal markets. Uh, we help uh, people manufacture vape pens, uh, enhance tinctures, make edibles that have terpenes inside of them. Um, and then, you know, we, we do the very same sort of services uh, in the places where there aren't legal markets and we're working with people that are making medicine or uh, and, and other products um, and need additional assistance and need access to the right information so that they can make substances that will help with certain ailments and, and issues. So, uh, like I said, when I, w what is true terpenes? It, it really is a, a terpene. I really I really vibed well with uh, with what um, Roger was saying about how much uh, effort and time, uh, you know, you can end up putting into speaking with people on the, t on the telephone, which will never end up spending a dime with you or, you know, because, because they don't need to, or they can't or, you know, whatever. But, um, and that's, that's really the same sort of uh, service that our company has invested into pretty heavily is, is a full-time staff of uh, three soon to be four people answering the phone constantly um, really, really good web communications, um, live chat, et cetera, to, to just be able to meet the needs of people. And even if we don't necessarily have a product to sell them, to get them uh, a satisfactory answer for their question, because you're right. I mean, right now, people were hearing that, you know, when we started doing this, it was as if we had to convince people that terpenes existed and were a real thing and we weren't lying to them. Um, you know, and now it's progressed into a thing where, people know about terpenes, but they don't know what they don't know. You know, it, every, most people are generally ignorant that, you know, they might know a few of them to, to mention or to, to speak about, but um, the level of like applicable knowledge, like being able to walk into a dispensary, look at a package and choose something is few and far between, you know, the, I'd say that maybe some of the people that are in this conversation right now might be the, you know, the, only one in your friend group in your immediate like vicinity of people that might you know, be able to take a crack at it. Cause as we've all seen with, with cannabis, uh, you know, even when CBD bust onto the scene, it was pretty difficult to get the average person to understand truly what THC and CBD could do for them, their ailments, their preferences, et cetera. So 
when you when you get such a complex class of molecules, we're talking about uh, well over 200 different terpenes which have been identified within cannabis. Um, that's a lot of different variables for the average person to keep track of. So um, the thing that I kind of wanted to speak on today um, was a concept that was developed by Dr. Ethan Rousseau, who is the cannabis um, researcher and pharmacognosist. He practices pharmacognosy. I don't know what that makes him, but basically that's the application of plant extracts as a medicine. And so that's actually his real specialty. Um, he wrote a paper called Taming THC, which a friend of mine uh, goes line by line through with him in a really great podcast episode. Uh, it's called it's called Shaping Fire. Um, would highly recommend that particular episode, Taming THC with Dr. Ethan Rousseau. Um, and what Dr. Rousseau came up with after this, this kind of uh, pivotal paper within cannabis science, what he recently released was this concept called terpene superclasses or hyperclasses. They're kind of uh, both are terms that are being used to describe the same thing. And what they've decided to do is say we can break down the majority of cannabis by rule, say 85 or 90 percent of it, by saying it's either myrcene dominant, terpenaline dominant or limonene dominant. Now, when Dr. Rousseau did it, he did it. He replaced terpenaline with beta caryophylline. But when you look at that, actually on a, on a chart, there's a lot of overlap and exceptions to that rule. So, uh, a graduate student out of Canada, uh, about a month after Dr. Rousseau's paper, published on top of that and said, "Well, if we change out beta caryophylline and we put in terpenaline, we we cover the majority of strains with very little overlap." And that's what I'm trying to get people to understand and pay attention to for themselves. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Nevada specifically. Uh, the medical, the, the cannabis program there requiring uh, terpene testing to be listed on the packages of all products that are sold is really big for consumers to be able to start to tap into um, what works well with them. So uh, just to reiterate again, the, the big three terpenes that I feel like everybody should start to pay attention to as much as they can, and we'll get into why some of the exceptions of the rules if we have enough time, but our myrcene limonene and terpenaline. And with myrcene, you'll have really heavy sedation if it's the primary terpene. With terpenaline, you'll have what most people would probably relate to like a, a pure sativa, Durban poison, super lemon haze type high. Uh, and then with the limonene, limonene is really just neither of those. So you've got like a blue dream, fruity, kind of sweet, citrusy, not so sedative that you're going to sleep and not so... Um, not so racy that it makes you uncomfortable necessarily. So, um, you know, that's kind of the big push there. If you look at our website, uh, it's, which is by dash terpenes.com. Um, you'll find that, uh, we have a, a kick that we call the essentials. Uh, I'd say that the next level of knowledge, if you, if you kind of master the, the myrcene, terpenaline, limonene thing, there's another three terpenes we can throw in there. Alpha pinene, beta caryophylline, and um, linalool, which make up the primary six that I feel like the, the average person, I hope, in three years is, is able to identify. The reason why these are so important is because we want patients to be able to walk into, we want growers to be able to identify this. But I, like I said, I always think from a patient perspective, somebody purchasing a product, we want somebody to be able to walk into a dispensary and say, I need something that's one-to-one -one THC and CBD and dominant in terpenaline because I know that that's what works really well for me. And I would like to stay away from things which are 
heavy in myrcene because they tend to make me fall asleep. Um, and so that's, that's really my, my educational push and, and a lot of my ambitions, you know, like I said, a lot of my businesses, I'm helping people make vape pens and tinctures and flying to their facilities and doing consults and things like that. But from a, like a mission perspective and a goals perspective, I really want to help push, you know, everybody's been complaining about Indica and Sativa and it not being accurate for a, a fair, fairly long time, let's say maybe three to five years. But there, I haven't really heard a solution to it up until recently when, when this new classification system became uh, made, made aware to me. So um, that's uh, kind of what, you know, is at the top of my mind right now. I'd love to answer some questions or, or take some uh, leading questions if there's anything anybody wants me to speak on specifically. Yeah, I'd love to hear more of a breakdown on what the different terpenes do in terms of effect. I, this is all new to me, so I'd love to hear more on that. Uh, I'm very interested. This is awesome. Okay. Yeah. So when you say the effect of a certain terpene, there's a couple things to take into consideration. The first is that these chemicals are all adaptogenic, and by that, you know, the endocannabinoid system is basically a balancing act in our body. So uh, it, its job is to make sure that all of our systems, both um, what I would say electrical and uh, physiological work together well. So, um, you know, and that's, that's our, both of our, that's both our autonomic and uh, I can never remember. What's the other nervous system you got autonomic and, uh, just uh, sympathetic, sympathetic, thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, you know, that's both of our nervous systems. That's um, our, that's our rate of, of uh, that's our heart rate. That's, that's really, uh, it, it has so many different jobs. You know, we've, we've all heard the, it's sex, fight, flight, uh, hunger. Um, so, it, you know, it's all of these really deep things that it's balancing. And so, when you take a terpene and somebody's out of balance, say really far to the left and another person's really out of balance, really far to the right. That's, that's how I personally account for why people have different reactions to certain strains is because you're encountering this chemistry and you're at a different place than this other person that's just consumed it. So like terpene, and I'll use an example here of why it's hard to say what individual terpenes do, but we can, we can make some rules, but there's so many exceptions. Um, so like you look at terpenaline, terpenaline by itself in all sorts of studies is shown to be sedative. And if you smell it, it smells like something that would be sedative. But when it is combined with limonene or um, alpha pinene or any of these other stimulating uh, or more often stimulating compounds, it becomes the racy kind of hazy high that we're all familiar with. Um, so um, you know, that's, that's really the thing to take into consideration is what, what people need to be able to start to do is, you know, there's material out there to start with. So you can get an idea you could, you could read and you could find out terpenaline is usually sedative if it's, if it's consumed by itself, but within cannabis, it's usually, it, it tends to be more of a racy stimulating substance. Um, so, and then you basically need to consume that and then decide how did it make me react in this scenario? And there's, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to contribute to that. Like, and, and I just already just said it, it, it's the other terpenes that are there. And the, the thing that I, I would like to emphasize as well is terpenes that are found in the greatest quantity don't necessarily 
have the greatest therapeutic impact and they don't have the strongest scent either. So, you know, of let's say a strain has 5% terpenes in it by weight, meaning that there's 50 milligrams of terpene in that one gram. And let's say 10 milligrams of that 50 is myrcene. It doesn't mean that myrcene is actually going to be the strongest scent or be the strongest effect that you, that you take from consuming that. It could be a terpene that's found, you know, and there's one-tenth of a milligram. And the example I could use for that is like our blue cheese, for instance, has a really, really um, obscure, unknown terpene, which is sort of hard to pronounce in it. Uh, I'm not going to take a crack at it at the moment. Um, but uh, it creates the blue cheese scent, the, this really strong funk. And it's less than a one-thousandth of the profile by weight or by liquid volume, but when you open the bottle, it's the very first thing you smell. It's the first thing you taste when you hit the pen. And it has a very unique effect of its own. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking at all the peak terpenes. We're saying, which ones are, is it dominant in? But it's not always the dominant terpenes that are going to indicate all of the flavor, all of the effect, all of the smell. And so, you know, you can think of, I'm sure every, everybody here today can think of a strain that they, that was unique to them when they smelled it for the first time. And you just thought, you know, that's, that's not like anything I've smelled before um, or not something I haven't smelled in a long time. And uh, this is a hypothesis of mine, but it's, it's not going to be a terpene that is found in, you know, that's, that's 10 milligrams in there. It's usually something that's in there at like one or two. Um, and it's just got this really potent effect to it. So th I, I think of terpenes and, and now at this point in my life, all aromas is being really on a scale or a spectrum. And so things on the far left, having zero scent, we have a blend of terpenes that we sell that is basically imperceivable on scent and flavor, uh, that people use to cut oils with, uh, rather than using PG and VG and MCT, things like that. And then on the far right, we have these terpenes that are just unbelievably fragrant, more than you could believe from such a small quantity of liquid. Uh, or crystal, depending on how pure it is. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and like I said, they, they affect very so much. So uh, just to run through the common effects that people associate with terpenes, uh, which I'd say are, as a rule, true, but there's always exceptions. You've got, uh, like I said, we'll start with terpenaline. We'll say terpenaline, when consumed orally by itself, is sedative, but in most cannabis strains is stimulating. Um, limonene, a lot of people think limonene is like energizing and racy, but if you, again, if you look at the literature on it for um, co being consumed by itself, you'll find that it's it's all the rat studies and everything um, and pig studies show that it's, which, you know, unfortunately there isn't better data than to go off of uh, such as human studies in a lot of a lot of cases with these sorts of compounds. But you'll find, um, again, listed as sedative. But when you consume it in cannabis, most people think of those strains as uplifting and relaxing, and but not but not sedative. Um, you've got beta caryophylline, which if I had to pick one common terpene, that's my favorite. I'd probably say it's beta caryophylline, uh, relaxing, anxiolytic. Um, it's also massively anti-inflammatory. So, and it feels good on the skin. Um, so it, it's, it's really good for, um, any sort of bruising or like, uh, tissue wounds, things like that. Not open, not open wounds, but like, um, any sort of really musculature pain. It, it works in seconds. You can feel it. Um, being both analgesic and anti-inflammatory. Um, it has the same effects, uh, re same reported effects when, when inhaled in, in all sorts of different um, cannabis strains and product formulations. Uh, linalool is, is actually probably the terpene in cannabis that by flavor I seek out the most. 
uh, floral strains seem to really do me well. And, and actually, um, like a strain that I think of for that, for Linalool would be like, uh, Hindu Kush or GDP, something along those lines. Um, and then you've got, uh, the mirror scene, which most people, you know, I'm going to drop a bomb here today and say most people have heard, or a lot of people have heard that, uh, myrcene is found in mangoes and that mangoes can get, make you get a lot more stoned. Um, Dr. Rousseau again here did a, he found, I believe like 12 or 15 different varieties of mango and had them all analyzed for terpenes and found little to no myrcene in every single one of them. But what he did find was a pretty good quantity of terpenaline, which he believed would actually have been a therapeutically active dose. So it really is probably terpenaline in mangoes that's getting people stoned. Um, but mango is, or sorry, but myrcene is definitely known as like the couch lock. There's several studies that show in humans that it slows fast twitch muscle response, um, which is the reason why you have to decide to get off the couch and then do it. Um, and then, uh, so we went, we said beta caryophylline linal. Oh, and then the last one would be alpha pinene, um, which very unique terpene, love to run it in like an essential oil diffuser in our office. And it is a bronchial dilator, meaning that it opens up the pathways of the lungs and allows you to access more oxygen with every breath. So um, my, my, again, an estimation, but it's my estimation that strains like this are the ones that uh, are especially beneficial for like asthmatics and whatnot. If you've heard about cannabis using being used in that fashion, not, not only is it anti-inflammatory, but it would open up the pathways. Uh, alpha pinene is also known as being a um, memory enhancer. So, um, and I don't know if that's tied to the oxygen or some other mechanism, but, uh, that's always been of interest to me as well. Well, it's cool. It sounds like you guys are, are big on patient education as well in terms of, or so that if you do go into a dispensary, you know, like you were saying, you can at least be informed enough to do that. Cause I find a lot of times you, you know, like you don't even find, uh, a very broad terpene profile at a recreational dispensary here in Oregon, for instance. So how, how do you recommend people, uh, what resources can you recommend for people <clears throat> to find out um, different things uh, about the strains themselves? Like, let's say if you yeah. find, you listen to one of the turbines you just talked about and they go, oh, well, I, you know, hey, I really, really need that one. And I, I wrote it down here. So now how do I take that second step and, and find out like what, what strain uh, do, do I need to go to? Uh, Good question. Find that. So right now there isn't, as far as I know, like a reverse way to look it up. Like I couldn't, uh, and you, you, you're making some great ideas in my mind right now, but uh, I couldn't just type in linalool in my location and have it brought up. Um, I hope to work with a certain Portland-based town or company that I don't want to mention their name because I haven't asked yet uh, if I could speak about it publicly. Um, but uh, I hope to work with a certain genetic cannabis company to mm-hmm. take the information that they have amassed and start tying it. So basically you would get one of these verified strains that they have proven is the strain that you uh, are calling it. And then right. I'd like to get the lab testing done on it. And then that would give us the genotype and it would give us the chemotype. It's not going to give us one of the chemotypes. It's not going to give us the phenotype because we don't know the physical characteristics of where this plant was grown. But uh, that's, I hope to start 
feeding information in. Uh, an applicable action step for what you just said, if somebody really wanted to find out the if got a strain and it worked just wonderfully for them and they wanted to learn as much as they could about it, the first thing I would do is go back to the dispensary and see if the lab tests that they received. Oh, so I guess when buying your cannabis, you can ask to see a lab test, um, which, uh, and then shoot a, shoot a photo with your phone so that you have it. And then when you go and you consume it, you can take a look back and see if there's any anomalies there. Um, so self-experimentation, uh, you know, it, I kind of knew the answer to that. I didn't really think there, a lot of, there was, but it, it would I can, be cool. I can take it. Oh, and I can take it one step further. And I would say, you know, the other thing that you can do is if that information isn't available, but it worked really well for you, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of growers, like commercial growers that are in the rec market right now here in Oregon, would be willing, you know, if you said, hey, this is absolutely awesome. I'd love to write you a testimonial for it. Um, do you think you could get the terpene testing done on this? And they say, no, it's like, if you really want to know, and it was, you know, it's that thing that just like, you, you wish you could just use this cannabis every day for the next five years, ask them if you can pay for the testing. It's it's yeah. going to be 75 or a hundred bucks to get the or terpene. Buy and, or yeah, or buy, a, buy a sample yourself and just go drop yeah. it off. I mean, especially if you're in a, you know, like if you're in a situation where like, let's say you're treating like your ALS or something like life debilitating, you, you know, it's not like I'm going to go get it tested because I like the flavor or something like that. You know, like right. that, that sounds very elitist, you know, but what I'm talking about is, is it, if you did, like if you did find something like that, because there are so few resources where you can't just go necessarily type in what you're looking for and get, you know, quality strain information. Uh, it might be worth it to you to buy enough and get it tested for yourself and or maybe even seek out cuts of it yourself and and have it um, you know grown by your grower and you'll might have a harder time doing that in the medical market in Oregon these days but you know hopefully you would be able to convince one of the rec growers that are growing their medical uh, plans to be able to say you know hey this is the this is the strain that I need and you're supposed to be growing it for me anyway so Totally. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of bigger testing labs now, especially in California, have pages for dispensaries where you can go on and look up the, all of their different strains. And mm -hmm. As long as you know what strain you bought from that dispensary, they'll give you the... I know SC Labs does that for most of the dispensaries that uh, do testing through them, and you can go right to their dispensary page and find out. You know, just yep. look up the, the strain you bought from them, and they'll have the whole lab testing on there, and it's great. Yeah, one of the labs here in Oregon has puts the QR code right on it. I think it's green, green something. But it puts a little QR code on it, so you can just hit it with your phone and. And then you know the look it the up. other pro probably most important thing, just while we're on the a similar topic, is when we're getting these lab tests. The other unfortunate thing is we're only testing for the terpenes that are found in the greatest quantities, so. There's, there's what's called an LOQ, which is basically the detection limit. I think it's the limit of quantification uh, is what it actually stands for, but you'll see it on, on lab tests. And we're only testing for the most popular at most. Like a lot of labs are at 10 terpenes or at 15 or 20. But even if you go to like SC or Pure Analytics, who's my choice in California, uh, but we're kind of migrating most of our stuff over to right now. Um, you're only getting 37 or 40 and that's really the so, other effort that go ahead you can ask that question we've developed our own extraction method actually uh actually tommy has and we went <laughs> so we have a couple of different ways that we can run the test but in one of the scenarios we can run it 
and um, we can get 33% cannabinoids to, to 30 to 40% cannabinoids, and the rest is terpenes, okay? And that's it. But no fats, no lipids, comes out winterized. But no one can tell us what the other terpenes are. And that's been a huge problem for us and, and one that we haven't been able to get a good answer for. I bet. Yeah, that's, that's uh, you, you know, unfortunately, the only places, well, so I have an answer for you. It's just not here yet. Yeah. Because uh, unfortunately, you, <laughs> no, not, not Israel. I wouldn't, I mean, they, their testing capacity is better than ours, but give me, give me two months. What are, um, what are they saying now? Isn't it like some 40,000 terpenes or something like that that they've identified? Yeah, I mean, no, no, terpenes no. are a really no, no. diverse class of molecules. The most, so. advanced, the most advanced company I've seen from Israel can do 210 terpenes. Hey, do you know the name on that one? I thought I just um, read it somewhere. I forget what the name of the company is. Uh, they were at a, it wasn't in Vegas, it was at a different show I was at that they were claiming to be able to test for 210. You know, and it's not that it's not that far fetched, uh, and that's that's kind of what I was just going to allude to. It's really just the it's the matter of purchasing. It's well, having a lab that's willing to do it. On, what's the accuracy on all the mystery ones? Is my question. You know, no one has anything that. Oh, to, really? Uh, high. It, you have to just go to other industries. And in another kind of Rousseau concept is that Ethan Rousseau concept is that uh, there are no terpenes, to his knowledge, right now that are only unique to cannabis. So. So that's what I was going to say a moment ago is that fortunately it's really difficult to get an FDA license, but if you have an FDA license, you can go to like a nutraceutical botanical lab where they've already been quantifying all of these same compounds in other plants for a really long time. So it's not really actually a new science to identify most of these compounds. It's just, an, there's no industry driving it forward within the cannabis, cannabis space. It's not profitable for a lab to get all of these really expensive standards and then offer all of this additional terpene information to their client base right now because people don't have a way to use that information to make them money so they're not going to pay for it. So um, that's what's been true. Now that's changing. Um, and that, you know, right now, that's why I say I'm, I'm starting this partnership with Pure Analytics. We're going to be buying um, to start 84 standards to add to their current 40. And that'll put us at the most in America right now at over 120 terpenes that we can test for. Um, and and that's you know that's really just what it comes down to is you have to kind of take a guess you say you know i i think it's pretty likely that this this particular terpene compound exists in cannabis i'm going to go drop 1200 bucks on the 99.9 percent .9 standard for it and add it into my gcms library and then maybe it'll pop in some trace amount in the future um so and that's really what it comes down to fortunately we found a a study out of a out of um it was actually done for um, a police department, but we found one where they were testing all these organic compounds and over 260 of them were terpenes. Um, and so we've got a pretty good reference list to begin with because they, they published all this data of, of uh, the terpenes and other compounds that they found within cannabis. Uh, and they were using an NMR, which is, it's what is it, nuclear magnetic uh, radiation or radiance or some, the third letter is something along those lines, and it's like the most accurate form of uh, of analytical chemistry. Um, and so, you know, that's that's what the future is is starting is basically building the biggest library because you can get this report and it's got all these peaks on it from from the the gas chromatogram, but uh, 
you just got to be able to identify those. And so, like I said, uh, yeah, Israel right now does have the lead on that. will have the lead on it, but to a certain extent, only it's only so much, so useful for the consumer market and for the, for, for the end user, but on a product development and research and development and therapeutics and medicine type thing, you know, more data is, is, is absolutely what we need. So uh, I'd love to get, you know, check out a sample of that stuff once we get the lab up and running and see what we can identify for you. Um, I'd, I'd also love to hear more about the parameters, how you're running and getting 60% content. Cause that just sounds unreal to me. Um, but I'm, obviously you're doing something. I, I can't say certain things if I made that, but I do have, have a question on this with your knowledge of terpenes. Okay. I, I don't have any paper on the wall. I'm, you know, uh, a, a backyard chemist. Uh, okay. so, you know, not credentials or anything. If I want to come off sounding like I'm all smart and everything. Uh, but I, I think very much in uh, analogies when I'm, I'm working with like trying to understand what's going on inside a vat of solvent and, and, and source material and, and that kind of stuff. What's your experience or let me, let me put out my experience and, and my working th thing on this is a lot of the terpenes, are they denatured? Are they broken when you're doing and uh, when you drop them in ethanol? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And I don't know at a chemical level what's happening to them exactly. I, I assume that we uh, expose them to, and, and I don't know the mechanism as to why this would happen, but I, few, I assume that they're oxidizing much quicker uh, after that ethanol wash. So yeah, maybe it's because we're breaking them open, open and cause they, mm -hmm. you know, it's resin for the most part. So when it's, when, when that resin, when the outer crisp, brittle resin coating is broken and we've got the inner liquid portion, um, that's ox oxidizing and becoming harder. And, and, you know, basically the act of us smelling it, we're, we're, we're smelling our medicine and our, mm -hmm. and that chemistry to leave. Yeah, I so, uh, I, I will say I've never encountered terpenes that I thought were quality after the ethanol wash. Um, yeah. after, after, yeah. after coming into contact with it. That, that's what's kind of got me. It's like, I've done some of Steven makes this, uh, live rosin press stuff that you'll just, you'll bow before it. Mm. But it's so rich. Now granted it has the lipids and the fat still in it. Yeah, but even with that, the delicacy and the stuff that comes off it's you know incredible. And then you look at like uh, French and cannoli, and you know how he's working. Oh yeah, with the and the and the, the the preservation. I mean, his, that's his whole mission. Uh, yeah, so I just smoked some of his blue Hawaiian uh, at MJ BizCon, and it yeah. just blew me away. Like just so, flavor, just. So those are terpenes. So we don't, we all know what we're talking about here. And I've been experiencing that if we, uh, like, even if you do a, a decent butane or propane or hexane, Tommy actually has some from Tommy actually has some from that he's not. Once you start dropping it into the ethanol, uh, you lose it. And so I came at it backwards. I'm like, okay, maybe I should just take the stuff off the top, right? And then later on, go in and extract all the THC and those things out of it as a post-process, not as, as the way mm -hmm. we want to extract. And so we're able to back-populate in these things we've taken off and saved off the top ever so gently. And I was gotcha. talking See, that makes, that makes a lot more sense to me as to how you're hitting such high numbers. 
Yeah. Well, okay. no, no, no. So the numbers. Oh, am I? I'm. I'm. I'm confusing the two. No, no, no. Yeah, you're confusing the two. So he's talking about something else, a little bit different. I was talking about just in one straight Got process. It. Got it. Okay. Two gotcha. separate things. Yeah. So, so Tommy, to to speak to that, um, you know, what you're doing is is what I believe is, it, you're doing that with like, a, is that like a stainless, uh, like what sort of ethanol apparatus are you oh, using? Oh, I, I do. Uh, I use I use 200 proof, and I distill it myself on top okay. of it. Just if I got issues, I do everything in medical stainless. Obviously, uh, okay. you know, I I, I got to know. That I'm not introducing garbage into totally. what I'm trying to explain thinking. So, so yeah, actually, I mean, that's, Tommy, that's... Tommy, why don't you bring up for a second? So Tommy's actually had a chance to distill a bunch of different solvents, and and, and just to see what the hell was in them, and it was really so. And we'll be actually be doing some posts on this publicly here in a couple of months. But there's a uh, we we've done a really good breakdown. And you want to talk a little bit about that? There's all this mystery oil and mystery shit and, and all these different solvents. It's really crazy. If, if you do, you, uh, yeah. If you want me to, uh, I'll do a little yeah, short. Please. I'd be interested in what Ben has to say. But what those things that I identified in the solvents might be doing to the terpenes in the extraction process? Because I, you know, I don't have his expertise. I just kind of know what happens in the lab. Uh, so one of the things is talked about, especially on the open blasting community, we should all just put them to death. Uh, let's just call it what it is. Not, none of this <laughs> like, hey, I'll do me, you do you. No, dude, you're doing you wrong. You need to stop open blasting with these, these solvents out of these cans and stuff, even that say they're 5, 7, 12, whatever time uh, clean or filtered is the word. Uh, you can take those solvents, put them in your extracting equipment, run it through the equipment just as if you would run a run where you're trying to get your THC and CBD and everything out of there. You'll wind up, we call it very uh, affectionately, mystery oils in the bottom of your container. So you put nothing in there. You have a completely clean container except for your solvent. And yet there's some stuff you could put in the dab pipe. That's just wrong. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to post some of this kind of stuff. Uh, if you're out there doing extracting, please, it's, it's, it's like just one run. It's a little bit of dry ice, whatever you're doing. Actually distill your own solvent. But what I'd like to ask then, you know, so those are, those are uh, uh, oils that are put in the processing machinery. You can imagine these things are in big bats and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wheels so there's all that kind of stuff in there. What effects would those kind of uh, heavy crude oils, and they're pretty icky, I'm telling oh, man. you. Yeah, that's gross. What's that doing to uh, your terps and whatever? Is it affecting uh, your extractions? Well, just like you guys know, I mean, extraction really is garbage in, garbage out, except for when it comes to distillate. Um, and then, you know, fortunately, we can, we can get gold out of garbage. Um, but... Uh, you know, it just makes me think of, like, for instance, you know, terpenes are hydrocarbons. So by by nature, through degradation, you get all sorts, you know, you, you get all sorts of crazy things. Like if you, if you guys are familiar with this study that came out of PSU, this uh, probably about six or eight weeks ago, Portland State University published a the effects of high temperatures on dabbing. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. 
That's so, I was going to go there with you. A lot of these terpenes should be taken in at edible temperatures, not at dabbing temperatures. Yeah, I mean, and really what this found was, it only looked at myrcene, but what it found was above 611 degrees, you had conversion from myrcene to benzene. Um, so hot dabs literally are killing people. Um, I've, been thinking, I've been thinking. Yeah, I, know you I, I just don't know why anybody would do it to themselves. Sorry if anybody here is part of that, but it just hurts. Like, I don't know why. Like, the hurt, I listen to my body, and, like, when things hurt, I, I stop. Right. No, it's a great topic to bring up. Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll bring it back combustion. back to the questions about the. Oh, sorry. I was just thinking a combustion. You know, that's going to reach similar temperatures too, just in the same way, right? I mean, you know, you hear a temperature range on on combustion. You like, you know, when I when I vaporize with the volcano, I'm I'm doing like three seventy. <laughs> sure. um, I've heard I've heard flour starts to combust at about four ten. Right. Um, so I think you probably can reach those temperatures, but maybe you don't always. Um, you think you just can't kind of, burn hot enough as opposed to a dab rig, which can start out hot enough because you're, you're heating it up before you put it on there. And is that essentially. And, and I'll say it's, it's less, less because I knew what I was doing and more because I just don't like using a blowtorch. Right. Or chaz, sure. Like having a choice, Chaz nail. I've just always used an e-nail and I've fortunately always hit it on low temperatures uh, whenever I could manage it. So I'd say, you know, I, I, like 600 degrees is where mine's always sat before I knew about why. Uh, I just think I was like feeling it or tasting it. Um, I do, I do want to answer Tommy's question specifically um, and just say that, uh, you know, I would imagine very similarly when we hit, you know, th these compounds are all really similar. Like, you know, it's, it's, we're not going to say that terpenes in crude oil are the, are the same thing, but I would assume that somewhere in the same temperature range, maybe even to a worse degree, when you get these things to combust instead of vaporize, you're probably seeing similar conversion into a lot of different com chemical compounds that you don't want to inhale. Um, but I, I couldn't say that I know specifically. And don't have the same medicinal benefits that I'm sure most. I mean, like you're, you were citing studies earlier on, and I really love that you're bringing data, dude. I want to kiss you. The, the 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 thing about it was, I'm pretty sure in those studies with the rats, they didn't have the rat dabbed in the terpenes. Right. No, it was oral consumption, or it's oral or intravenous. It, yes, is 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 body temperature, food temperature stuff going in you, and that's what all the studies are. And I think this, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm smoking some really nice turf stuff right here. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But I also smoke cigarettes. I, I, I chase women. I got all sorts of bad habits. I got some honey whiskey. Yeah, and if you're not calling it medicine, yeah. it's a, you know, but, it's a different thing. Yeah. You're, you're yeah, enjoying you know, it. That's yeah. the question of respect right there. That's the question of respect. Well, I think you, yeah. talk, you touched on the, um, you know, on the solvents that you distilled down and found this mystery oil in and, you know, that, I think that's concerning to me on another level too, like not only what you, you know, and you were talking about garbage in, garbage out, and you might be able to, you know, to do some stuff with it to get some gold out of it. But what I'm concerned about it, it is, uh, is putting the good stuff that I grow in and getting garbage out because of the solvent mm. that somebody uses, you know, totally. that's, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to grow I, this. I would love to do my extraction. I would love to do my extraction to the point 
where it not only respects what you grow, but my extraction technology will not kill your fish. That's my overall top level goal. Right, and I, and I think that that, um, you know, it, it's just, a, you know, that's the concerning part to me as, as somebody who, who, you know, probably wants some of their stuff extracted, uh, but I don't. I also don't want it ruined either. So, um, or I don't. I don't want contaminants brought in through the extraction process. And that's ultimately what you're talking about. Even, uh, even people that think, uh, you know, maybe they're doing it relatively clean, right? Are, are not is essentially what you're saying. Right. Yeah, but, but like those so, twelve times, twelve times clean or seven times clean. You know, they're, they're paying twice the money for it. And it basically has just as much crap in it because it comes off the same thing. They're just filtering it. It doesn't remove that stuff from the solvent. The only way to remove it is to distill it at proper temperatures, let the solvent you want come off, and let everything else remain. Same, same way Ben's grabbing all the proteins. It's true. It's actually I was gonna I was gonna liken that and say you know fractional distillation was developed for the petroleum industry to make gasoline and kerosene and uh, I I don't know all of them but I I've heard um, that crude oil has like twenty three cuts to it or something like that twenty plus different um, fractions basically that have different uses and so it, you know it's, it is you're exactly right it's all the same technology for separating crude oil into kerosene and gasoline or Your separating just four stories tall that's all yep yep exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes that's right. um i so oh man so a lot of good stuff going on here I, I lost my train of thought on um my next point to kind of follow up with that so i apologize i'm gonna have to hit a pass here you want to explain to people a little bit about the you want to explain to people a little bit oh. about the entourage effect and, and how the turkey... Totally. Yeah, you kind of touched on that a little bit, but you know, maybe explain that a little bit more. Totally, yeah. And then actually I remembered my question. It was, Tommy, do you have a suggestion for solvents? Like from everything that you've seen, is there something you like better than the others? Uh, if aside from, oh, aside yeah. from ethanol. Yeah. Aside from ethanol, because ethanol, yeah. of course, but I mean like within and the really hydrocarbon ethanol. side of things. Uh, well, uh like oh no no! There's a non-hydrocarbon that we're yeah. we've been having a lot of luck with with terpene stuff that we could okay. talk a little bit more off out, out of the common ones. I'd go for butane if you if you're doing it properly, and I mean like okay. running a real tight ship and really doing the purging and everything. It's a it's a brilliantly safe uh, solvent that is used throughout the pharmaceutical, food industries, cosmetic. It's like one of the big ones for or everything that you're used to dealing with 100% safely, just in those settings, very often they deal with it with more respect than many people in the Canada state space tend to deal with it. But that's a really good solvent out of the normal ones. But if you're really going for medicine and you're really honoring the kind of stuff that Ben's bringing up around the terpenes, and I've had some of this experience uh, also, I go for a method like uh, doing the bubble hash kinds of stuff because you just can't get to ruining the stuff when you treat it with such respect like Steve does when he's making his uh, live rosin presses. Other than that, if you know you, you can't go through all that bubble bag kind of stuff, a very low temperature infusion directly into coconut oil, man, will that hold on to the frickin' terpenes for the average mm -hmm. person 
who has to do this in their kitchen. Coconut oil is going to save the most terpenes to eat in your body at the proper temperature than anything else I have found today. And I want to be smacked down on that because if there's something better, I really want to know it because this shit's really pretty good. As long as you, as long as you decarb them properly. In fact, Tommy, do you want to touch on your decarb method? I'm sure Ben would appreciate it. Yeah, we'd love to hear. Oh, okay. Well, and this is funny, Ben, that you're here. Uh, my my standard story is, you know, when you're decarbing, if the entire neighborhood can tell that you're decarbing your medicine, you're paying for their medicine. Mm-hmm. Totally. So uh, I do all my decarbing uh, like at home. I suggest in uh, quart-sized mason jars. Just stuff your material in there, put the top on it like you're going to do some regular canning. These jars are made for canning. It's perfectly fine. You put it in a 215, 220 degree uh, oven for was 45 minutes. Uh, and then you take them out and you let them uh, settle down. I like to let them go for 24 hours It does because it doesn't matter. And the plant material reabsorbs some of the terpenes that have been mm. liberated with the heat. And you can't smell it in the whole neighborhood. So that means in that jar is still the terpenes that Ben's so excited about, I'm so excited about too. Now what you do is you pour your coconut oil in that very same jar, okay? Put the top back on it, put it back in the oven, and let it sit there for about five days. Now that's if you're going with the THC kind of stuff, you're trying to get the CBN on somebody who's missing seven discs in my spine. You can do it shorter times. You won't get as much CBN process through it. I drain that oil out of that material i repack it with some more coconut oil do another three days drain that out and for at-home people who are in states where it's hard to come by your medicine if you're needing to eat it and get your benefits out of it and get the kinds of things the terpenes that's the best way i have found for the home person or even the professional person who really needs ace medicine to to capture the most stuff because i think there's so many things there. Ben was identifying, you know, the number of terpenes he'll be able to address. He's, you know, talking about six here tonight. There are so many there that we don't even know to say their name, bitch. Okay. I mean, it's like they, they could be like some of the most wonderful terpenes. And out of every method, I've tried to capture my medicine because I spent a lot of time growing it. Not as good as, you know, the people on this, this podcast here, but, you know, worked hard at it. I was really interested in preserving it. And, that that's my soapbox. I get the hell off that. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, I appreciate I appreciate that thorough explanation. That really helps personally. Um, I think of myself as somebody who can manufacture products as long as there's a, a licensed laboratory open, because I've always had the benefit of my time in in managing and handling cannabis plant material of working in kind of like high tech facilities. So I'm always really encouraged. Um, when I meet people like yourself that can tell me like, Oh dude, go down to the hardware store and buy these six things. And we're going to be, you know, you, you're, you're well on your way to, to making, you know, some incredible products. So appreciate you sharing the, the at home version of that. Um, and uh, you know, maybe just to jump back to the previous question that was posed um, speaking like more on the entourage effect. Um, you know, the entourage effect is, is a term um that Dr. Ethan Rousseau really popularized, um, but I'll give a little bit of historical credit to Dr. Mel Frank, actually. Um, Mel Frank, I don't know the year that he said it, but wrote a, said it or, and or 
uh, wrote it down, but uh, called the same phenomena the symphonic effect, um, which I actually really like that name for it as well. But, you know, an entourage is basically a group of individuals, a gang, um, uh, a what's uh, what's another word for that, a, um, a syndicate you know, that works together towards a common goal. And, you know, that, that term within cannabis today basically means that and it's been interpreted to mean that whole plant medicine is better than remanufactured um, kind of like pharmaceutical grade cannabis, which um, I, I think is both true and false. Uh, I'll say that off the shelf, the ability to take a joint and inhale it and receive ben medical benefit. There's almost nothing better than flour, but for somebody that needs a very specific, consistent dose of cannabis to control a true medical condition. Um, you know, I, I don't think that pure flour is always necessarily the best way to go about something. What if you need a ton of CBG, for instance, you, you know, you're going to have to be consume a ton of, of whole plant flour to get to that point. So entourage effect really just means that, you know, it's not just the THC. It's not just the CBD. It's not uh, the six terpenes that I just suggested. And, and it really kind of leads into the question from before, which is, or from earlier today, which was, you know, which terpenes do what? And it's to say that they all work together to have a synergistic effect that terpenoline plus limonene plus myrcene is going to lead plus THC plus CBD plus all the other cannabinoids um, in a given strain are, are why that strain has its, its effect. Um, it's the idea that one plus one doesn't equal two, it equals three. Um, so, you know, that, and that's part of it. That's really the simplest way to say why it's, it's hard to narrow down you know, this strain does X and this is Y. And it's because there's so, so much chemistry going on. Even in, in our simple lab test that we re referenced earlier, we've got maybe 40 data points of terpenes to look at, uh, 11 or 15 different cannabinoids, and then a bunch of other unknown compounds as well. And so, um, you know, the, the entourage effect is just basically outlining, uh, and it's a way to view that, um, that, you know, within this strain, the therapy or the benefit, the enjoyment that I'm receiving isn't really due to one thing. We're not going to say the THC got me stoned because anybody here or, or that's listening that smoked just distillate knows it's not really that exciting. You know, it, it used to be to get like a gram of clear or, or distillate or whatever you want to call it. You were paying 80, 100 bucks or something like that. But now you look at the market for distillate and distillate is dropping really quickly and the complex uh, six star bubble hash rosins and, and live sauce and all sorts of other really terpene rich complex full plant extracts are really the ones that are taking top dollar again. Um, and it, you know, it makes sense. They're artisanal that it takes skill and care and, and it's completely garbage in garbage out, uh, manufacturing. So, um, you know, I think that term in, in popular conversation right now, you know, a, a good way for somebody to use it is um, like, you know, you could say in conversation, like, I'm not sure what it is about that strain, but the entourage effect has me feeling like X um, because, you know, you can, like I said, you can look at the lab test, you can get a pretty good idea for what's going on, but ultimately it's like, we'll go back to Dr. Frank's um, uh, 
term for for the effect the symphony you're feeling it all you don't go to the orchestra and say wow the violin is you know you might sit there and say wow i love the violin but you can't say that the the entire experience that you just heard uh was because of one of the instruments it's it's everything working together to to bring you that enjoyment so that's uh about as much as i could really say about it generally but if there was any specific questions about it i might be able to lend more to that No, that, that that particular part was awesome. I, I don't. Again, I'm I'm very new to terpenes and what they should do and why I should care about different ones. And um, this has been great. I, I don't. I, what other uh, information do you have for people, maybe um, that are kind of just trying to get their feet wet or trying to understand or trying to um, uh, wrap their head around the whole terpene uh, market? So the the first thing to read would be, you know, go to our website. It's uh, trueterpenes.com. Uh, and then there's buy, B-U-Y, terpenes.com. Um, both of them have a little bit different content on them. Um, but definitely educational, even on the buy site. There, there's actually a little bit more content on there. Um, and so from learning about our company and like the manufacturing of products using terpenes, that sort of thing, there's that avenue. Uh, for basic terpene science, uh, I'll say it again. Um, I'll plug the podcast that I just think I, I just got to commend the host, Shango, for, for getting Dr. Rousseau to do this. But they take Taming THC, which is really the paper. Like any, you know, if you read anything written about terpenes online right now, um, I'll say that we're doing some of the most creative and new kind of content generation, but it's mostly the same three or five articles, three of which have been written by Dr. Rousseau reworded. So anything that you've read about terpenes before likely came from somebody who read Taming THC and then summarized it. So I'd say go to the source, um, just go to PubMed, uh, Google PubMed, and then go to the main site and just type in Dr. Ethan Rousseau and read all of his papers that are in relation to cannabis. Um, he just, he breaks, like I said, he's a pharmacognosist, which is uh, a, a dying breed of plant scientists because most people went into pharmacology. Um, but uh, this is using plant extracts in, in application to human health. So that's his specialty. Um, and uh, so he goes line. Uh, so I'd say first read the paper, it's not the hardest scientific paper you might have ever read, but it's certainly not light reading. So you maybe want to do it with a notebook and take some notes and then Google some stuff. Um, and then after you've kind of made your way through it, or you maybe do this and vice versa, the Shaping Fire podcast has Dr. Ethan Rousseau go through basically every paragraph or every three sentences or so. Shango reads it out loud and then Ethan explains exactly what that means um, in relation. So he has that paper. Uh, he has a follow-up paper to it that I can't think of a title. Uh, he most recently just released a paper called um, Cannabis Pharmacology, A Few Usual Suspects and, no, sorry, The Usual Suspects and a Few New Promising Leads, I think. And he, he basically revisits the Taming THC, uh, adds additional information to that conversation, and then discusses some new cannabinoids and some other terpenes that weren't previously discussed. Um, and that, I think, has about 35 terpenes in it or so. Um, and that's the most that's really publicly explored. So between Rousseau's literature, the podcast with him discussing it, and then our website, uh, we also have something that we're working on right now. It's not 100% where I'd like it to be, but it's um, 
God, what is that forum name? It's uh, Terp. I'll have to get back to you guys. I'll send you the link on it. But we actually built a like forum for Terpene Talk, and it's been up for like eighteen months or so, and it's it's got some pretty good stuff on it. Um, and it's it's really uh, you know it's a forum, so it, it gives people the ability to ask questions, and we try to get some experts into in various fields to answer those. But unfortunately, um, I guess to to wrap up this question about where to learn more, there isn't a lot of different unique content outside of like academia. There's a lot of organic textbooks um, and like, uh, sorry, organic chemistry textbooks. And there's uh, stuff from pharmacology and there's stuff from uh, aromatherapy and essential oils and, and things of that nature, but nothing that's really s spelling out, this is how to decipher and use cannabis terpenes for your health. So it requires, um, you know, it, it requires the assimilation of information. I'd say meeting, t meeting, paying an aromatherapist for like a basic 101 uh, would be in somebody's best interest if you really want to get into like, uh, you know, because cannabis use actually is aromatherapy by definition. Uh, aromatherapy is not, you know, when I, when I, before I got into all this, I would have told you I thought aromatherapy was smelling scented things for your health. Um, but what, what I've found out the definition is, is it's actually the application of, uh, aromatic plant oils for therapeutic value and that's cannabis oils all of the oils within cannabis that we're that we're you know talking about whether it's hash or flour are aromatics um it's just any compound that has a benzene ring essentially so um you, you know smoking a joint is aromatherapy by definition and so the, the there's a lot of people that have specialized expertise in using uh, aromatic plant oils from other plants for health and they're using a lot of the same terpenes you got linalool and lavender you got um, myrcene and lemongrass you've got um, all the pines with the pinenes you've got terpinaline in, in all sorts of coniferous trees and apples and so you've got uh, a really big knowledge base of people that have been practicing this gentle medicine for a really long time probably feeling insane because nobody's listened to them for the longest time and really considered it, you know, I used to think it was foo-foo until I really got into learning more about plants and biology and whatnot. Um, and, uh, you know, that, so that's, that's really it. It's kind of a, it's a, it's the journey of a, of a thousand miles because you're going to go, you know, you're going to learn some biology and you're going to learn some chemistry and you're going to learn some aromatherapy and you're going to learn some botany. Um, you know, we didn't even really get into that, but like why do plants even make these oils is a whole interesting and fascinating co uh, conversation on its own. Plants can't shout or sprint, so they smell. Um, you know, they can't yell for help and they can't tell somebody to get away from them or they can't run away from a fire or a bug. So they use these compounds, these chemicals to basically communicate with the world around them, whether that means they're defending themselves or attracting a beneficial relationship, you know, to, for a pollinator to come in for, or for something to eat their fruit and carry the seed far, far enough away that it could progenate. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, um, just like any science, you know, I, I just have never been so interested in, a branch of science that I've learned all the sub sciences, but like I said, right there, there's like five different divisions you could go. And then from that you get into like the, the level of specialized knowledge, like what Tommy's doing, which is you could have somebody that's a, that's a, um, you know, certified organic chemist that's worked in pharma, uh, that's worked in pharma. Um, but they don't know how to take cannabis plant material and, and manipulate it and handle it in order to get the, 
extraction that they're after right now. I'm sure with enough trial and error and based on experience, they could get there, but it's certainly a, an art and a science. What, what all the, the extractors of the world are doing right now too, being able to, you know, taking this, whether it's fresh or cured plant material and turning it into a usable substance and all the lessons that can be learned from that as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, I think starting with Rousseau and then um, kind of figuring out, you know, are you a grower? Or are you a manufacturer? Are you uh, an ex like an, just an extreme connoisseur, et cetera? And then you can kind of take a different pathway to get to the sort of knowledge that would be beneficial to you. Very cool. Thanks. Awesome. No, that was a really awesome explanation on I know uh, when I met you out in Vegas, you guys introduced, you had, uh, I think, a packet of eight terpenes and another packet of six. Do you want to maybe talk about the, the different ones you guys had and the ones you were giving out? Yeah, totally. So uh, we just call them terp wallets, uh, super original. Um, and it is just an essential oil uh, carrying case. So it's uh, it's a nylon and... Um, nylon and what is the other substance it's basically just got these rings in it tonight excuse me it's a nylon pouch with uh or neoprene pouch with nylon uh elastic band like uh, loops in it and basically uh in one of them we've got what we call a, and i mentioned earlier our essentials pack which is myrcene limonene terpenoline linalool limonene uh, i might have just said limonene twice sorry beta caryophylline and uh, alpha pinene. Uh, so it's got like the six main terpenes that we uh, suggest people try to teach themselves and, and be able to identify by scent and, and flavor um, in a convenient little carrying pouch so that you can kind of use it as a reference standard when you're sticking your nose in a bag. You can smell one first and then compare it uh, afterwards, um, show it to people. You know, we found that a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around what is a terpene um, physically, like what does it look like and what's it, how would I handle it, et cetera. So it's just a small bottle of basically an essential oil, but you know, more purified than essential oil because it's just one sing single compound. Um, and that's like the, the basic 101 education kit. And then, uh, so that was the six bottle one. The eight bottle uh, was just eight of our strain profiles. And, and really simply put, what we do is we get a sample of cannabis, we test it for its terpene content, and we get this report back like we were referencing earlier. And then we take our individual single terpenes like limonene and myrcene, and we recreate, we blend those together and we recreate the cannabis profile. Uh, and then people take that and they add it into their extracts like a THC distillate in order to give the personality of, say, Granddaddy Purple to the blank canvas of distillate. Um, so we, we had these uh, sample packs that have eight different strains in them uh, with the idea that you can add about a drop per gram to your dabs, let that sit overnight and then consume it. You've got a brand new enhanced extract or you can add up to between like five and 10 percent by weight to distillate or CO2 oil and make a vape pen. kind of our main product line is the the strain profiles uh that's where we do the majority of our business with um like i said the the licensed manufacturers i'm kind of a dummy on all this um learning as we as we go uh but i have a huge base of people that would like to know uh particularly uh with diseases these chronic diseases people are getting chronic fatigue um 
UC, Crohn's disease, sarcoidosis. Yeah. Is there anywhere we can go to look and see what, what, what do you call them, turpentines uh, would, would help with that? Or, or do you so, do yeah. that off the top of your head? You know, what, what I would say the closest thing to what you just requested would be uh, to go to the world of aromatherapy and find the plants and oils that aromatherapists are already prescribing for those sorts of conditions. And then you can break down that. You can find out pretty easily if you'd like type in like lavender oil terpenes, uh, you'll find a, a report from, you know, the first one, I think that shows up on that one in particular, probably the only one I know off the top of my head, you get something for like the late seventies where they identified like 50 different terpenes that were within lavender oil. So it starts to give you an idea of what's in the plants that are, are in the whole plants uh, that are being prescribed to people. And it gives you the ability to start kind of diving into it, but there isn't a really good resource for that right now um, where you could just say, you know, like for instance, and I could just tell you offhand because I've had enough people call me, like people that have gastrointestinal issues are finding limonene really beneficial. They're mixing it 5% by volume with, uh, with coconut oil, putting it into a capsule and consuming it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate right now that it's still on an anecdotal kind of scale. It, it's, um, it's really a lot of self-testing. Self, uh, um, but I do, I have found personally that like, like I said, finding that, uh, like for instance, you could, you could find that, uh, for like muscle discomfort, um, ALS, things like that. Lemon balm is often, um, prescribed to people or like citrol. Uh, there's a, there's a really strong human study that was done, uh, that basically started with a number of participants that were on anti-depression medication and, uh, did, I believe, 90 days of inhaling through an essential oil room diffuser, citrol. By the end of that study, the, over three quarters of the participants quit taking their medication and were just relying with, on essential oil um, uh, application. Uh, that's not the right word. Uh, they were just relying on essential oil use um, for their daily therapy, basically. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of really strong... Um, anecdotal evidence and you'll hear you know if from time to time you'll hear these success stories like that's how I figured out found out about the uh, the beta caryophylline being so anti-inflammatory I had a couple of different people that had really really severe you know whether it be phantom limb pain or um, quadriplegia or paraplegia etc we had a lot of people that had nerve pain that were using beta caryophylline and applying it directly to their to their nervous system, uh, whether it be the spine or to a specific um, uh, um, pain point, and they were they were getting a lot of relief off of that, like enough that they felt the need to call and make sure that we knew, and you know, just were very thankful. So, um, and we're, we we assemble that information. We're hoping to organize it into something that'll be a lot more useful for people. Um, but it's it's one of those things where we also want to prevent uh, and. Uh, we just want, we don't want to also like fed, uh, spread misinformation or false hope or, you know, anything like that as well. So kind of a delicate balance. We're not really trying to hide information. We just want to make sure that we're going to truly be accurate. Man after my own heart. Oh, thank you. It's always great to see uh, all different kinds of different uh, explanations coming on the show and explaining different technologies to us and, uh, 
especially with having a, a couple extra guests on the show. I know uh, we, you know, it's been a, a great time to, to get those kinds of explanations on the show. I know uh, we've, uh, uh, Tommy and I have been working towards the feeling that uh, hydrocarbons and ethanol will denature some of the lighter and more flavorful terpenes. And that's kind of what he was kind of asking about indirectly. Correct me if I'm wrong. No. You're there, Tom? Mostly the ethanol, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think some of the hydrocarbons. Uh, what are, are uh, what are some of the things not passing through actually? Yep. Things you uh, you see is kind of the future of terpenes and terpene research and kind of how it plays into the consumer market for those that might be kind of looking to see how this might be into their their daily products i know uh, what is it nevada uh, nevada is requiring uh, terpene testing in their their stuff for next year i think california yeah. totally um so you know really what i just see for the future it's it's hard to say um but i think it's just better identification and quantification and true um structured research so actual studies being done on the different terpenes and how they, um, you know, apply to a specific mechanism, um, just like we would for any sort of like pharmacology. So just like pharma has to put something, you know, they're, they're trying to prove that a certain percentage of people respond to um, a certain treatment program. Same, same idea. I think that'll be applied with terpenes within cannabis and with the cannabinoids as well. Um, but, uh, you know, within the next year, I just think that general knowledge of terpenes will grow. Uh, the ability for like the the trend setting class to identify what it is that they like, and then that I think over the next three to five years will really trickle down um, into consumer products being uh, better positioned and better um, worded on the labeling and packaging in order for uh, somebody to walk in and say, "Oh, that says it's sedative, and it you know it's sedative and um, and." What causes anxiety in less than 2% of people that use it or something like that. Um, but I, yeah, I just think personalized medicine is really what will come of a better understanding of cannabis. Or sorry, a better understanding awesome. of terpenes rather. <laughs> well, that goes along with cannabis. <laughs> well, that's, that's really great. Uh, do you want to tell people how to find you again and uh, how to reach out to you if they have additional questions? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the website for information, I really would recommend just going to the website and checking out our learn section. Uh, it's going to be the quickest way for you to kind of digest this information. It's kind of hard to necessarily get it all on a phone call. Um, so if you do your homework first, it usually makes things go a little bit easier for both ends. Um, and uh, so the website is by buyterpenes.com. Um, and uh, we're on Instagram, really highly active at just at trueterpenes.com, or actually no.com, sorry, just at trueterpenes. Um, and then to slightly lesser effect, but still definitely there and responsive, we're on Facebook at trueterpenes. Um, and then uh, the phone number itself for the company mainline is going to be 888 eight five five zero um we're open from eight to four pacific awesome that's really great that you guys so, yeah. provide that kind of service 
Oh, thank you. And um, well, thanks for joining us. That's just, um, just what I want to say yeah. is this is a great panel. Was was really glad to, to learn more about uh, aquaponics. It's been something that's been of, you know, kind of uh, personal interest to me. I don't really have a business application for it, but I've just uh, I got introduced to it when I, maybe when I was 12 and I just have always thought it was really cool. So it's I'm glad to see that's still alive and well and thriving. And I, I you know, I hear about people getting systems all the time. So really cool show to be on and be a part of as well. And uh, the level of conversation and, and content and everything uh, really well produced. So thanks for having me. Awesome. awesome. You've been a great guest. Thank, thanks for being here, providing such great information. I really appreciate it. Yep. Yep. Thank you. And then yeah, thanks thanks a lot. Awesome. All right. Um, so uh, well, we'll get to what everyone. Well, before I think Roger's probably going to have to get going before too long, so we'll, we'll do him first. Uh, Roger, what have you been up to in your garden? Man, we are growing everything. We got cucumbers galore. You wouldn't believe it. First time ever I've had so many cucumbers going so well. Tomatoes, out the wazoo. So I could have a salad of tomatoes and cucumbers. Um, we just started a new test with some uh, clay pebbles for purple onions, which would work for any onion, uh, as well as radishes or any other uh, vegetables going to, you know, create a like a beet or onion or a radish. We're really excited about that. We, we just got a small little section we've done that in. That, that's basically what we're up to. And, of course, pest control has been a big thing. And because of you, we're going to sit with the uh, gentleman with Kapow. Uh Anytime we get a pest, we, we spray right quick, and, and it goes nuts on killing them. So, as well as powdery mildew, we got hit with powdery mildew recently, and we were able to eradicate the powdery mildew and end up with plants that were producing a huge amount of, of fruit. It was a squash plant that really got hit the, the worst, uh, and it just started really producing after hitting it with the with the kapow we're very happy about that very excited so it's been a while since we had kapow on but if i remember right that's the lemongrass castor oil based mix is that right steve that's correct it's, it's a lemon oil from india and, and castor oil base is what it is right very cool I had good luck with it too. I did get some um, as well <clears throat> after we uh, we had them on, and uh, I, I had really good luck with it. And uh, and I I had actually used lemongrass oil uh, previously to that, and so I just kind of mixed it in with my other sprays and stuff that I do as well because I like to grow my own stuff, and I, and I want to grow some lemongrass at some point. I'll see if I can find some so I can uh, grow my own that. Uh, but right now I like to grow like garlic and sage and uh, peppermint, oregano. Those are all all great ones that you can then sort of you know recycle back in or add in. <clears throat> if you get oils, you can add a little bit to the kapow if you wanted to, a very small amount, just to mix it up a little bit because I feel like they start to develop a tolerance after if you use it repeatedly. Um, so that that's the only twist I like to put on it, but I do like their uh, like their in product that they put out. It's very well emulsified, you know. It, it's um, highly effective. I feel like in in smaller amounts than 
<laughs> than some other products. So I feel like the concentration is pretty well dialed. So I've had really good luck with it too. Hey, Marty. Yeah. Just, you know, cause I'm not a grower like you guys. I just had a silly question in my head and there are no silly questions. So here it goes. What if you were to take some of Ben's terpenes and put them in with your Kapow to confuse the critters? You'd be confusing them with something that you wouldn't mind having around the plants, right? Would that would those terpenes have any effect, do you think, on the critters? I think it would probably have a similar effect because a lot of the terpenes are basically from the essential oils of the plant. Right. <laughs> and that, you know that's kind of their you know part of their original purpose even in other plants right i mean that is uh you know like like uh, i think ben was talking about you know they can't they can't run they can't do other stuff so what they do is they they smell bad or smell different and, and create those different uh terpenes to repel insects or uh do different stuff so yeah i, I definitely think that that you would do that and, and really like uh brain was just saying uh you know, that that's what we're doing with the terpenes that we're extracting out of other uh other plants anyway instead of a regular and then you have a you have a bud that you know smells and tastes like a meatball if you were to do the lemon or the mercy or something one of those fancy ones maybe it would like oh it's like diesel now you know <laughs> yeah I, I don't know that that'd be yeah, an interesting thing yeah. yeah you never know yeah. I can I can jump in a little bit on this. Um, I know there's there's plants out there. It's been proven that when they're attacked, when they're healthy and they're attacked by a pest, they will put put off a certain aroma that will drive pests away from them. And they also host other plants that will put off an aroma that attracts that particular pest to that plant, and the plant thrives because of it. And the plant that's next to it thrives because it doesn't have that pest. And and from what I'm learning tonight, it's these these turpentines or turpent that that are doing this. It's that's the aroma they're putting off. So it's intriguing to me. It's a whole another venue for me to look at, and I I'm just intrigued by it. Well, there's a, there's a bunch more. There's terpenes. There's flavonoids. There's ethers or esters. There's there's a whole range of different compounds that create scent. And create different things. It, terpenes and cannabinoids are only part of about eight different, eight or ten different compounds that all account for that. So, you know, even though we're really getting into the cannabinoids and the terpenes, we're still looking at a fraction of really what we'll ultimately be looking at. Probably in another five or ten years, we'll be looking back, going, "Man, we were missing out on all those other compounds. What the fuck are we thinking?" Yeah. Just the same way we did five years ago when we didn't know about all the different terpenes and five years before that when we didn't understand THC and CBD and everything else, you know. And I mean, look at all the leaps that we make on a regular basis. To just analyze this stuff, the better we're able to understand it. Look back about 3,000 years and, and ask the same question then, and, and you'll see those folks understood it. We don't yet, but we're getting there. What about you, uh, uh, Brain Grow? It's nice to have you back. What have you been up to? 
Um, well, I got a few plants growing, a um, couple dew root zones, and one that is a straight aqua with no soil. And I'm loving how the dual root zone plants are coming out. And I'm also uh, testing grinded up pumpkin seed, basically like a pumpkin seed powder to see how that works as an iron supplement for my plants. Because I was uh, doing some research on uh, things that were high in iron. And that was one of the things that uh, commonly kept on popping up. So I'm trying that out to see how that works as an iron supplement. The... um, the strain that I'm growing is a uh, ninja fruit, and I have three different phenos of that. So uh, the one that I have in the aquaponic system without soil is the one that I'm testing the uh, pumpkin seed out as iron. And so far, it looks like the leaves have already started to uh, gain a little bit of green back. So looks like it's working. So see how it does in the long run. That's really cool. Yeah, and I mean, it also has stuff like uh, magnesium, manganese, and other uh, minerals, so small amount of phosphorus. Awesome. I'll have to look into that. Uh, let's see what else. Sounds like it might be a good compost tea or, or ferment ingredient. Yeah, something to add to it, definitely. Um, other than that, I think... Uh, that's pretty much all I've been working on. I added another light in my uh, flowering, little flowering area. So uh, hopefully that'll give me a little bit more yield. Looking forward to seeing how that goes because I'm going to be popping flower on two of these plants in probably the next four or five days. So I'm pretty excited to finally be having some plants that are fixing to be going into flowering. Like in veg, they already smell amazing. So I'm pretty happy about that. Cool. What have you been up to, uh, Tommy? Oh, uh, testing. Uh, maybe I can show you some of the stuff I've been up to. Nice hat, Tommy. There's that one. There's... This one. So I'm uh, making base things and then doing some uh, different experimenting, mixing the turps like we were talking about uh, back in with uh, heavy THC concentrate, seeing if we can preserve the flavors and pass them through. So we're doing some of that stuff. That's been kind of fun. Uh, actually did a little bit of uh, relaxing. I've been on being a road warrior. We haven't had the show for a little bit. We've kind of been uh, uh, sticking and moving, I guess they call it, uh, going from thing to thing and a lot of uh, exciting stuff. Went to Vegas uh, and had met a lot of really uh, nice, fun people. Uh, I guess we met the gentleman from the show uh, tonight, Ben. He was uh, out there at Vegas, so uh, doing a lot of things like that. But really pretty happy to come home, be in my own shower, uh, be able to put my arms around my girl. I haven't seen her in like forever. <laughs> and so that's been great. Um, but yeah, just uh, working on a lot of uh, attraction kinds of stuff, figuring different things out, doing some uh, planning for some facilities, uh, helping Steve with a little bit of project stuff. And that's been pretty much it, I'd say. 
Yeah, we're working with the patent lawyer, getting all locked down. Some other fun stuff. So, um, Dennis Perone's house for Thanksgiving. So that was a lot of fun. Always really awesome to hang out with Dennis and the crew over there. Uh, whole house full of amazing people, and I don't know. Always a good time to go spend time. I know Tommy and I have all. Uh, Tommy's also spent a bunch of time with them, and just a really fun group of people to be around, and uh, very knowledgeable as well. So always good to just sit around and listen. <laughs> one of the all things of though, we met somebody else from their crew there, Steve. But one of the things I like about them is I, I see you know people on the show, a lot of the guests. We all have a lot of opportunity here, and I really like the show that we share opportunity with each other and knowledge with each other. But I can't help but look at people like Dennis and his crew and some of these folks. Uh, we wouldn't have a thousand of the opportunity that we all have here on this show uh, without without people like that. Man, they 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 didn't just knock down fences in front of us; they got a bulldozer and clear trees out of the way so we could just, you know, go off and, and be involved in the things that excite us and that we're wanting to bring to, you know, to market and everything. And uh, that's awesome that you got to have uh, Thanksgiving with us. That's, that's way cool. Yep. Absolutely. It's really, really awesome. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time with a bunch of their people lately and, a good, really good time. <laughs> Got to, to meet Richard Eastman the other day. That was pretty interesting. He's quite the interesting character down in LA. So he does a lot of compassionate care down there, and uh, I don't know, just a lot of cool people. We actually have the the guy from East Bay Compassionate Care Center on the show here in the next few weeks. For exactly what day? Um, Jorge Cervantes also agreed to come on the show uh, sometime in the second half of or early January. We'll get him on. So. Um, and uh, if anyone's interested, uh, be up at Emerald Cup. Um, we did know in some of our throw down. So, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think you were breaking up there, at least on my end. What's yeah, that? that's what it sounded like over here too. I think, I think you were breaking up, at least on my end there, Steve. Yeah, I'm breaking up. Uh, something about the Emerald Cup, but I think a couple of the other things broke up there. It's uh, it's the, the we'll be the at the, Tommy point. and I'll be at Emerald. Tommy and I'll be at uh, Emerald Cup. So if you guys are looking to to hang out with us, uh, definitely come out to Emerald. If you don't know what Emerald Cup is, you haven't been in the cannabis industry long enough. <laughs> Allegedly, I'm not. I'm not saying anything in this reality, but allegedly, you might be able to taste something out of this pen that would be worth going to Emerald Cup for. I'll just say that. Shame on me. <laughs> yep, I'm sure. I'm sure Roger's going to hop on the first plane out to Santa Rosa. Hey, man, I, I, I can do it. Well, uh, it's the uh, next weekend, not this weekend, the fall. In Santa Rosa, so definitely come hang out. 
come, uh, come visit our I'm gonna have to. Gonna I'm going to have to originally, you know, eventually come hang out with you and, I, I don't know, do something. Oh, yeah, you know, you come out to Ouroboros and, and get a tour. It'd be a lot of fun. Spend a day uh, touring. I would love to hang out with you and Ken for a day. That, uh, Terry and I would just love that to death. It'd be awesome. There you go. That'd be great. So the, the uh, never mind. That's that's the later on conversation. Sure. Yeah. No. We'll, we'll talk about that offline. But yeah, we'd love to to have you out sometime. Maybe even do some kind of joint event or something. Have a bunch of people out here. Oh, that would be awesome. Um, I just recently had an event with uh, East Texas Aquaponics where we went over and they, they have their tour, and we were invited just to come hang out and and shoot the bull with the people that are there and. Oh, wow. It was, it was awesome. Some of the people came in were, were just looking, trying to see if they might be interested in aquaponics. And some were there because they were interested. And for those five or six people, they have just exploded into aquaponics um, recently uh, since that meetup. And so we're looking to uh, go anywhere we can to hook up with folks that might be on the the, the the shelf thinking, should I or should I not? And kind of help them get over the level and say, you know, it's not that hard to do. Uh, so let's go for it. That's really cool. Yeah, it's too much fun and very rewarding. I love it. Uh, it was a blast. And I don't care what you grow. I don't care what you grow. If you're doing aquaponics, it's going to be better. And of course, there's, there's different ways in aquaponics to grow stuff. Um, like the dual root, root zone that, that you talk about, uh, Steve, and and the rest of us, what we do. But but it's great all the way around. Oh, yeah. And different methods are different, you know, grow different crops better. You know, if I'm doing lettuce, I don't need dual root zone. If I'm doing root crops, I might want to do a wicking bed. You know, it just depends on what it is I'm trying to grow. Yeah, the, yeah, I agree with you 110%. Uh, the wicking beds is something uh, we, we looked at earlier this year. We tried to get going with that, and because of everything else going on, we didn't get the opportunity to, to go with it. We really need to get on that. There's so many people that are interested in it because of root crops, uh, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, you name it. Uh, any tubers, you, you can't really do that in aquaponics. You need a, a wicking bed that you can use your aquaponic water four and uh that's a big deal the easiest quick conversion is if you just go out and get a smart pot or one of the cloth pots and put your soil in that and just drop it right in your media bed at the very top of the of the flood layer and then you can actually convert you know your media beds or even just a small pocket of your media bed into a wicking bed and then you can put you know your garlic or your onion or your ginger or your turmeric or whatever or, or carrots you know, or beets or, you know, whatever it is you want to grow. That's fine for a small crop, but if you're looking oh, yeah. huge, I'm not sure that would work. Oh, no, no, no. If you're doing commercial scale, you got to do dedicate whole beds. Actually, if you guys are interested, there's a bunch of really cool uh, larger wicking uh, beds down at Ouroboros. Uh, I know I have a video up on my YouTube. If anyone's interested to see maybe a commercial scale. I'd be interested in seeing it, and uh, I'll darn sure talk to Ken about that shortly, um, tomorrow or the next day. Sure, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a couple of different designs for that. So, 
and I don't, I'll be honest, I'm not sure how much you have to do with Orbos Farms as far as design or upkeep or anything like that. I've never heard one way or the other. So bring uh, me up speed. I, I just teach there, and then Ken and I are both involved in a separate company. So, uh, you going to tell us that separate company, or do I have to advertise that, that myself? Oh no, no. Uh, Ken and I are both owners, are part owners of Purity Medicinals, which is a um, a much larger aquaponics company that we'll have a lot more announcements for here in the next few, next one to three months here on on what we're doing and where our new facilities will be next year. So. All right. Back in December of, of 2016, there was a story that came out in, in the ASC magazine. Uh, and it was about me, actually. Um, it was called Road Aquaponics, I believe. And it was written by my daughter, my oldest daughter, only daughter. Um, but it, it had to do with uh, sickness that I got some years ago near to kill me. I ended up in the hospital for over a week and uh, they sent me home because I demanded to be sent home because I was sure I was going to die. And so I had to go home and it ended up being sarcoidosis. And I've asked about that a couple times tonight and trying to see if anybody knew anything. My curiosity is, is there anything out there from your side that could help with it? Because Everywhere I go, I get no help. I can get uh, a patch or a Band-Aid, but there's there's no help out there. I, this, this disease attacks every organ in your body from the skin down, and there's no help for it other than prednisone or anti-rejection drugs. Uh, you know, they, they want us to take drugs that uh, if you had a heart transplant or lung transplant, that's what you take those drugs for, but it's so devastating on the body that I refuse to take them. You'd probably want a, something in heavy in THCV and CBG. It looks like it's an inflammatory thing. But we're actually working on a product that would be specific, very specifically geared towards this. That It's one of the ones that we haven't brought to market or shown off publicly that Tommy and I have kind of behind the scenes. That I'm not going to tell you more about it at the moment, but I can definitely tell you that we have one that's aimed specifically towards inflammation that we're, we're in, we're kind of in the beta testing phase of right now, um, where we're doing a certain, certain isolation groups, um, and, and a couple of other tricks to, to help with inflammation. And, um, it's definitely something that we can, we can talk about offline, but, um, yeah, Roger, that would definitely. There's something I would like to say online, you know, just for also for people out there, you know, uh, I, I'm not credentialed in any way, shape or form, but I actually come from a family with, a lot of paper on the wall, medical researchers on and on, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And the truth is, there is more uh, peer-reviewed research on green tea than there is on cannabis. And when you ask very specific questions, like you're asking, I understand your need, and you know, I, I hear hear a lot. The the thinking I try to uh, advocate for is being honest that we really don't have a lot of answers in the research to responsibly respond to, to your request. But what we can do as a community is say, hey, if you're a person who has X, Y, or Z condition and you've decided you want to experiment with some cannabis or a number of other medicinal herbs, 
are the people gathered here the kind of people that are going to grow you the very best source material you can to run that experiment? I'm sorry we don't have like exact answers for conditions or whatever, but I do know there are people here that if you want to try different stuff, take good medicine and, and are really, really dedicated to the purity of it and the understanding of it. Whether or not it works, can't say a thing about that. Wish I had the research to show you. Really would love that. But uh, sorry I don't have that. But yeah, people here do have some good good, good stuff if you do want to try anything. No, it's okay that you don't have the actual research. Um, any any idea? And, and the re I don't really ask for myself. I ask for the other people I deal with because I'm, I'm in a couple of groups that uh -huh. are for sarcoidosis specifically. And there, there's so many people out there suffering. Um, they have it so much worse than I do, and I'd love to help them. Uh, at, at, I ain't trying to make profit off this. I'm, I'm just trying to help some folks. Uh, so if if something ever comes up that that could be tried that that you think might well, point that direction I, to help, I deal all over it. I deal with a lot of pain, you know. So I can only tell you anecdotally. It's not data. It's just my story. I, you know, I'm missing seven discs in my spine. I deal with a lot of pain. Something else and, and nerve pain. I have neuropathy things from my uh, spinal stuff and yakety schmackety. Uh, and had some pre-diabetic stuff. So I'm an old fart. You get it. I got a list. Um, one of the things I found that just as a general tonic has been helping me tremendously is something called Kratom. And you can get it in capsules um, and like better than opiates um, by, by, by many fold over that you can find relief not not 100% like an opiate, but you can find relief without all the stupid, and you can still poop. Uh, I, I know I know what you're talking about. Um, the drug, <laughs> the drug companies are fighting it hard uh, to the point people are going to jail over that. It, it's it's well, ridiculous uh, here in Texas. They're uh, going to jail. They've been trying to push that. Is that but true? I haven't heard of anything like yeah, that. I've heard of I know they, they made an attempt to really um, out it. The DEA did. But it um, failed. Sometime within the, yeah, exactly, but it didn't go through. Well, the so. biggest issue is it helps for opioid addiction, and that's the biggest bullshit. These, these piece of shit pharmaceutical companies want to keep everyone on these highly addictive drugs, and Kratom actually helps people get off of opioids, and that's yeah. the reason why they're threatened by it. It's bullshit. Legal, legal or not, you're going to want to keep it in your quiver because someday life catches up with you enough where you need something pretty stout. And I, I've been finding as somebody like who was in bed over 20 hours a day, I spent a year and a half on my walker and stuff. I can walk around and everything now. Uh, you will not pry that kratom out of my cold, dead fingers. <laughs> Oh, I agree. I agree with you, Tommy. I, it, and it's it's absolutely wrong. It's hateful that uh, people wanting to make money will hold back something like that or any other, not necessarily a cure, but a help, an actual help for well, folks. They, that they need do it. this cannabis on a daily basis. It's yeah. not surprising. They do. They do. It's not surprising. This is space. Yeah, we can deal with this. They do yeah. everything. And just remember, just because it moves into a, what we like to refer to as less than legal doesn't mean that people shouldn't stop using it. We're still going to help them. Exactly. I, re I remember a time here in the United States when alcohol was illegal, and right now cannabis is still 
for the most part illegal. Some places it's okay, but federally, uh, uh, cannabis is illegal, and it shouldn't be. I, you know, it shouldn't be. And if we keep on going the way we're going, uh, even religion, if it's the wrong one, is going to be illegal. I didn't just say that. <laughs> no, it's fine. We we've seen radical, you know, social groups in the past. You know, become different things. You know, you look at the backlash against the Nazi movements in the United States right now. You know, and rightfully so. So. Nobody likes I mean, Nazis. They don't, they don't even want to be shot in doom anymore. What's wrong with them? Right? Nobody likes Nazis. So. <laughs> right? Fuck Nazis. Well, no, that depends on that depends on who you ask. Uh, there are certain people out there that like Nazis, but the people that are from they Germany don't like, don't like Nazis. Right? The people from Europe don't like Nazis. People from America don't like Nazis. But for some reason, there's a couple of people out there. Uh, and somehow we elected one of them that I didn't say right. that. No, we did. We did. They need they need to smoke this and they'll give up their Nazi thing. Right. That's the thing. We, we can't we all just get a bond. One, one love. One love right there. Exactly. I don't care if you smoke it, drink it, the shoot press. it up. Take all the guys at Whatever. the UN. Take all the guys at the UN. We need like one what love. is it? How many countries are there? Two hundred and ten. So we need two hundred and ten dab breaks. Just like terpenes, 210. We will solve this shit real quick. Every country is a different terpene. Right? How, how many people are in Israel and Palestine? Let's get the Micha Bong. We can solve this. You know, we we have all these big conflicts. I think we can solve this. Everyone just needs to be, be a little I more. Think, I think we invent most of the conflicts. <laughs> I do. I, I think. I think we do it because it makes money. I, I think if you, you may see a small conflict, and we 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 find a way to make it bigger, and that makes us money. If you're in the the, the industrial complex or you know, weapons or whatever, I think war makes money. If I'm wrong, slap me. No, it does. But, you know, and that's the re one of the reasons why we're trying to push for the, the cannabis stuff. It's, I mean, the biggest thing that we can do is help deprogram some of the bullshit our governments ended up doing to um, some of the uh, the veterans and everything else that's been out there and, you know, put their life on the line. And they get all jacked up because of our government. So we can bring them back, give them good uh, cannabis stuff uh, to help them with their PTSD and all the deprogram them and help undo the bullshit that we've caused and the stress we've caused to these poor veterans. So it's one of the things that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. Um, the veterans are a big deal to me, an extreme deal. Um, and if you watch our group very often, you'll see we'll have a veteran that'll have an issue and we, we just kind of step up and take care of it. And we, we do ask people for help with that because sometimes it's pretty expensive. But uh, every time we, we end up spending more money, uh, and th don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm happy to do it because without them, uh, without their past, without the people before them, we wouldn't have the freedom we do to make the money or do what we do on YouTube like we're doing right now. So when they need help, we're always there. Yep. I know I do a bunch of um, volunteer work. In fact, I just saw the uh, the head guy from um, 
uh, Sean from Read for Warriors the other day down in San Diego. So, well, I'm sorry. We were supposed to meet him. Uh, we weren't going to get a chance to meet him, but uh, we were just talking to him the other day. Um, we've actually, Tommy and I have done a couple of different events with him uh, uh, last year. So, but um, we did uh, get a chance to talk to him. I'm sure we'll get him on the show again. Um, we're looking to do, uh, he's got a different project going on down in Southern California. We're looking to, to help him get online. So um, that's one of the, one of the, yeah, so we'll have more on that later. Anyways, um, it's getting a little bit late. It's uh, hitting about 9 o'clock, so we're going to wrap things up. Um, does anyone have anything else uh, last minute to say before we uh, switch to uh, end the show for the evening? Yeah, it's a little after 11 for me. Just saying. Yep, no, we're, we're wrapping things up. So that, That's why I don't come on so often because it's so late. <laughs> what? Um, uh, how do people find you there, Brain Grow? Um, uh, make sure you're following me on Instagram these days because that's really the only thing I'm consistently posting on. I did post something else on YouTube uh, maybe three, four weeks ago, but I haven't posted anything since. And I need to get around to that, okay. but um, follow both my YouTube channel, which is Brain Grow, and my Instagram, which is Brain underscore Grow. And that is B-R-A-Y-N-E-G-R-O, just to clarify for everybody. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And then be sure to check out Marty. He's uh, AP Meds. Uh, and thanks again to Chew Terpenes for coming on the show. Um, Roger, why don't you tell people how to find you for those of the people who joined late? You can find us at trocoponics.com or on Facebook. Just search trocoponics. In fact, on Google, just type in trocoponics. We will pop up. You can catch us everywhere you want to look. What about you, Tommy? How do people find you and what you've been up to? Well, golly, I've been I've been hiding, as you know, because I've been have a lot of things on my to-do list. Uh, but occasionally, I pop some stuff up on uh, my YouTube channel, which is Old Fart Grows. Uh, haven't been follow, haven't been doing much there because I've been uh, making uh, some experiments. It's been working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and some of the things I've been doing, I actually haven't been able to post because of the reasons. Uh, but hopefully yep. sharing a lot more soon. But yeah, I'm just I hang out here sometimes. We uh, you know, we, we posted a couple of things from Vegas or whatever. I just said hi to everybody. But uh, yeah, that that's where it is. We'll park for us. Tommy, you scare awesome. me. And uh, you guys, <laughs> you guys can <laughs> find me at uh, puritymedicinals.com uh, or at potentponics.com, potentponics at Gmail, or potentponics on YouTube. Or Potent Ponics on SoundCloud uh, if you guys are looking to listen to the audio version of this. So, Can you sound impotent? Everyone for listening. Um, again, impotent. Uh, impotent. That's hilarious. Impotent Ponics there. And we'll be back uh, next week. Um, I have a bunch of really awesome guests lined up for the next month or two. Um, including Jorge Cervantes, so uh, be sure you don't miss it. And um, we're going to, again, just keep coming in with really cool guests. Um, I know, I think we have Vapor Slide on next week. Um, they got, there's, in fact, I don't know if Tommy wants to show one of those real quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just happy to see George coming in. That's hilarious. I mean, it's great. Not hilarious. It's great. Perfect. Like a, uh, a cup rocket right there. It's perfect. Yeah. So the, that little, well, we'll talk about next episode, but it's a vaporizer you can put in your dab rig as well. It's pretty cool. 
All right. Um, I will definitely. Uh, is see you guys is he drinking rum time. with his vaporizer? No. It's that thing you can put in the air break. Well, it works on it. <laughs> what the hell? He's drinking rum with his vaporizer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tommy, is, we gotta, uh, we got we gotta have some spice rum together sometime. You know. Oh, little little spice is always good. <laughs> well, uh, Trust me. We'll see you guys uh, next week and. Um, Next week and possibly a second guest. Uh, not entirely sure yet. So, thanks a lot. Hey, for Steve. Thanks for, thanks, for thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. See you later. Thanks, thanks a lot. Later. Take care, everyone.